Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void where prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Hello, Falcoholics. What is up? Welcome to the Falcoholic Lives patron Q&A for the month of October. Apologies for... Uh making this like the last week of October, but we did get it in. Uh, it, it is happening. I appreciate everyone's patience with this, uh, but we had to make sure to get you some banger guests. Uh, and of course, as always, we've delivered the man himself. He is Dave Choate at the Falcoholic himself. Dave, how are we doing tonight? I am still recovering from yesterday's loss, but um, I'm good. I'm good. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. The, the, the hat, of course, uh, is ter- terrific. I also like the Beer City Bung Hammers. That's pretty. Uh, sure. That's pretty terrific as well. Uh, so really, a plus uh, attire from Dave. I now I need to see what Adnan is wearing because Adnan's here too. He is Adnan Ikic at Say Which Way. Adnan, how are we doing tonight? Uh, doing well. You know, I uh, also had to break out the hat and um, you know, just along with Dave. So. You know, uh, in in honor of him, we are both wearing <laughs> hats and wearing my Atlanta Hawks hat, even coming off a loss yesterday. Yeah, but yeah, uh, it's it was a rough day yesterday overall. Yeah, yeah, we were we were talking about it before the show that you know our fantasy teams are are all struggling this week. Uh, we also saw the Falcons lose their first blowout of the year. Uh, and it really wasn't even. I think like it, it was a very bizarre game. Uh, just all, like overall, uh, and we've had to deal with, of course, you know, fantasy heads calling for Arthur Smith to be fired because you know Kyle Pitts isn't getting them points in fantasy, uh, which is also really funny. Um, we've had yeah, I the- saw that one like last week. He's like, "Oh, Falcons fans, would you rather be seven and ten or like two and fifteen with like?" But Kyle Pitts get gets points. You know? Yeah, like fuck <laughs> who cares? I think it's insane that like. I know I get wanting like the best pick, but like I, I want to, these are 17 Sundays or yes. more depending on yes. how things go where I don't want to be miserable, man. Like this is, this is something I'm supposed to enjoy. <laughs> yes. Like save the like tank talk for week 14 and later when it's like, okay, like we're out of it. Like now we can talk about the draft. So, like save it for that. Let's not, you know, don't get but, me wrong. If if we were zero and five, like we were in what twenty nineteen, was it? Then I, I'd be all aboard. I'd be like, all right, like you know, let's let's gear up for the top pick. Let's let's do what we need to. Let's play the young guys. But this team doesn't deserve for us to be calling for them to tank, just because they they've looked good overall. Like sure, yesterday was awful. But before yesterday, they had a legitimate chance of winning every single one of those games. And, I mean, honestly, this has been the most fun team that, like, we've covered at, at the very least since I've been here at the Falcoholic, which, you know, started in 2018, which, you know, all those years have been terrible for the most yeah. part. But 
this is definitely this has easily been the most fun team yeah yeah i mean it has been fun i mean like this was an exception this week i mean and even that like going into halftime there was significant hope that they were going to be able to make something happen here maybe not win but at least keep it entertaining and they failed to do so you know we talked about that on the post game show that it's you know they they basically had an opportunity two two drives after after halftime to cut this to a four point game, uh, and they you know went three and out both times, and then Cincinnati scored again, and that was that was the end of it. But um, just you know overall failure of execution by the team. But that's not why we're here to talk today. We're here to answer your guys' questions, which of course may be about the game or anything else that strikes your fancy. Uh, I know we have quite a few from. Uh, the discord we have quite a few from patreon uh and those of you watching welcome uh throw any questions you have in the chat and we will get to as many as we can on this show um the first one i will take here to kick us off is from torin bix on uh discord i forget everyone's like patreon name or whatever or youtube name so i apologize but he asks, how can we realistically replenish our cornerback room now after all of the injuries? I am really scared and understandably so because we did get an update on the injuries today. Uh, AJ Terrell is considered week to week, which means he's not playing this week. Uh, D offered his day to day, so he could play this week potentially. Um, and Jalen Hawkins has already been declared out with a concussion. Um, we'll obviously have to hope that those are shorter term injuries, uh, but... For now, the Falcons are going to be down at least two more defensive backs, I would think, going into Sunday. So it is a big, uh, a big thing to talk about. Like, you know, what do they do at corner? And we also saw Mike Ford leave the game um, last week. So, yeah, I mean, uh, I'll open the floor. Uh, I'll let let Dave as as our guest of honor uh, tonight take the first crack at this. What, what are your sort of thoughts on how to patch up those holes uh, in the cornerback room, Dave? Yeah. Assuming you're getting offered back, I think we're, we're seeing a clue already. The, uh, the Falcons released Jordan Brailford off their um, practice squad earlier today um, per, uh, and uh, for Aaron Wilson. Yes. Yeah. Um, so I think that's a sign that they're probably going to pick up a guy add him to the practice squad and plan on calling somebody up. I think if Alford is back, you'll see them bring up the mystery corner that we don't know who it is yet. And uh, Cornell Armstrong again, because I, I thought obviously Armstrong got roasted, but he also made a couple of nice plays, which was much more than you'd expect for a guy like, you know, summoned off the practice squad and, and pushed into a starting role by injury. So I imagine that's it's not very satisfying. There's no like big trade, I don't think, on the way or anything like that, even with Hayward out. Um, I think this team would like to see what Darren Hall and D. Alford can do um, with extended playing time. So unless Alford is going to miss this game as well, which I think really puts them in a, in a pretty serious bind, um, I imagine that's what you'll see is as a practice squad signing, that guy and Armstrong both flex to the roster against Carolina and a little bit of a prayer. Um, if they go into the Chargers game with the same batch of injuries, um, I think they probably have to add somebody else or Justin Herbert is going to kill them. So Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, it's it's been interesting 
to see like they get the cornerback injuries all at once and then against you know maybe the worst possible team to have those injuries against um certainly you had to be kind of disappointed with Isaiah Oliver's performance in that one you, you got pretty much worked by Tyler Boyd to the point where yeah. Tyler Boyd had his best game ever of his career um and Cornell Armstrong it's like I don't even like feel like he deserves like to be roasted at all because it's like this guy came, comes off the practice squad and you're asking him to cover Jamar Chase like every single play that's not ever a situation that's going to be great and like he did actually like defend a few passes so good for him but um, yeah. <laughs> really tough um, really tough there uh, Adnan what do you think are you uh, thinking about like Dave like you know sort of go through the practice squad are you feeling aggressive you know to go get another corner somewhere else what, what are you feeling with the quarterback room um, I feel like if these injuries were longer term, um, then I think you sort of have to be aggressive. Like this is going to be very patchworky moving forward. And, you know, I, I think that they will go the route of the practice squad and, and keeping things internal. And, you know, that's what the practice squad is there for to, um, to cover some of these holes, uh, you know, on, a, on the short term, one week, two weeks. Hopefully AJ Terrell is, you know, back as soon as possible. Week to week always tells me it's a multi-week injury. Um, So, you know, day to day missing a week, like that's common. Week to week tells me that Terrell probably won't be back next week either. And he may be in danger of missing that second Carolina game as well, because that's on a Thursday. Yeah. Um, But, you know, right now, like, like Dave said, uh, kind of have to have a prayer out here um more so than just a a small one because yeah that the cornerbacks looked really bad uh yesterday but part of that is because they were facing one of the most prolific passing attacks in football uh the panthers aren't that so i i think you can sort of get away with it a little bit more of having some of these patchwork guys against the panthers against uh you know uh, their third string quarterback and uh, against their receiving core, which no disrespect to them, but DJ Moore isn't exactly Jamar Chase out there. Um, Tommy Tremble isn't as as dangerous and imposing as T Higgins and or even as imposing as Hayden Hurst, who was giving us the business yesterday. Um, but yeah, so I think I think right now you, you stick with your guys. You hope that AJ Terrell um, responds well to treatment. Uh, it's always tricky and iffy dealing with a hamstring. He obviously aggravated it yesterday. It can easily be aggravated. Yeah. Uh, so you don't want to rush him back too quickly. Um, but right now, right right now, you just have to go out there and hope that hope your front seven can can sort of give them you know, the help that they need and, you know, sort of hope that these guys who have been elevated from the practice squad, they now have their chance and, you know, go out there and, and make, make the most of your chance, you know, especially against a team that doesn't have a great passing attack. Uh, Armstrong looked terrible yesterday, but he looked terrible against maybe a top five wide receiver in the league. So you can't really blame him for that. Um, so yeah, if it was up to me, I would, I would want them to possibly go assess the trade market. Maybe I, I think Reedy Williams is is available from Cleveland, but I, I 
understand why they wouldn't want to bloat through any draft picks to make any in-season trades right now. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 sort of like you like you like um the idea of going for like a greedy Williams or or like making a trade because I think there's this thought that like oh the Falcons are competitive for the playoffs like we should try to push for the playoffs. And like it's true that like they actually are competitive for the playoffs. I mean, they're tied for first in the division, the but like their Tampa looks right. terrible. I mean, if if the Panthers beat the Falcons this week and the Bucks lose again, then the Panthers will be first in the division. So like it, the, the division being bad is like, you know, it's it's anybody's division at this point. Um, but it's also like we all know that the Falcons are sort of a year ahead of schedule and I think trading away I think trading away assets uh to go try to maximize this year is probably not very wise i just don't really think uh it's a great plan to trade away picks and it would be one thing if greedy williams was like you have multiple years of rookie contract control and stuff like that but no like you're he's a one-year rental only he's gonna hit free agency next year um you know his rookie contract is expiring so i just that's not someone I would make a trade for. I think you sort of just scour looking for a veteran replacement. I know folks have mentioned like AJ Bouye, who of course, you know, UCF great. I would, I would be a fan of that signing. You know, there's a lot of, I think he's a Georgia, I think he went to high school here. In yeah, Georgia. yeah. So, you know, that's someone I would be interested in signing. Um, but they do, they do already have three corners on the practice squad. Uh, we saw Cornell Armstrong come up. They also have Dylan Mabin, who I think was somewhat recently added. Um, and they also have Matt Hankins, who's the undrafted free agent guy. So, like, I don't know if they really want any of those guys starting, but they do have some guys there who could potentially be elevated. I believe you can elevate two guys per week. Um, so they do have some options. Um, you know, at safety, the depth, they still have Dean Marlowe and Eric Harris. So even with Jalen Hawkins out, what hopefully will just be a week. They don't necessarily need to add another safety there, but... Um, I think at least we'll see one to two players elevated and possibly someone signed to the roster because I believe the Falcons roster is still at 52. So they don't even have to cut anyone to, to sign a player to the roster. So um, I also think that yeah. the way that Terry Fontenot, um, everything that he's done, he's been very conservative and very, you know, we're, we're aiming to make our big moves in the coming off season. And yeah, I, I don't think you'd be too eager right now to, make any trades that kind of take away anything from the future moving forward um, in exchange for for the short-term benefit, even though it is very tempting right now to, to make a short-term move with the division right there with Tampa looking so bad. But, uh, it, you know, you, you just hope that everyone will be okay for the stretch run. You should have Hayward back. You should have Terrell back uh, in the coming weeks. Um, but, yeah, everything that – Fontenot has done kind of indicates that no, we the Falcons won't use any draft picks uh, to to strengthen the team right right now at any position. Yeah, they need all those draft picks for Lamar Jackson. So uh. <laughs> you're 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 saying that. I feel like the more time that goes along, the higher that percentage. I think right now... I'm not joking. Okay, this is serious. (laughs) All I know is the way the franchise tag works, they can tag him twice. They can tag him for two seasons, and after that, they will... I don't think they'll be able to afford the tag anymore. So, 
Lamar has a lot of leverage right now. Yes. Um, no, it, it, the, 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 we're just speculating about that. There's no like buzz there or anything. But I think if he does hit the trade block, Atlanta will be like a very hot name for him to come here because of just how perfectly he fits the scheme and stuff like yeah. that. But just know, guys, if the Falcons do not trade for Lamar Jackson, it's because Dave told them that that they shouldn't. Yes, because I, I did not tell them because Marcus Mariota is the future and can do no wrong. So. <laughs> Yeah, Dave's a big Marcus Mariota guy. He he's been advocate. Dave's the reason why Ritter still isn't starting. <laughs> Don't you put that home, evil bro. on me? Don't you put that evil on me? I'm going home. Yeah, packing up my bags, taking yep. my ball, I'm going home. <laughs> yeah. The only thing standing in between Ritter and starting is that Dave has that kind of power. Like, he, he has, has that, that kind of pull with the team. Yeah, he's. <laughs> he's like, Look. you know, I just, I really need those that Mariota engagement. Can you guys? Uh, <laughs> keep him out there for a few more weeks if i had that kind of pull you you'd be seeing uh clowny and, and justin houston on this that's defense true. this year yeah or you would have at any point in the last decade so yeah yeah that's true that, that should prove that yeah, yeah we should know we should have known from there but um all right next question from dustin black uh what's up man he says panthers defense i think they looked pretty good against a admittedly reeling bucks team are they as good as they looked last week or not I do think the Panthers' defense is good. Um, I don't think the Panthers' defense has been a problem, like, really ever. I mean, I think they got kind of pooped on by the 49ers, but, um, you know, that happens sometimes. Like, the Not 49ers, to the everyone's... Yeah. Not to the Falcons. <laughs> yeah, except against the Falcons, exactly. But, um, you know, I don't really think their defense has really been the issue. Um, I think, like it's been solid. Like I think they're like 17th. So they're about average overall. And I think they, they've been, you know, pretty solid. Um, I would say that their run defense, it looks good in terms of the stats, but if you look closely, it's sort of a lot less impressive. Um, they, they don't get run on very often, which is odd to me. Um, I think they face like the 27th, fewest attempts or something like that um but they do uh, allow a lot of yardage uh i think they're 22nd in rushing yards allowed so that you can run on them but they you know they played the box suits who are maybe maybe the like worst rushing team in the league uh and then they got the saints that week that the saints were really particularly bad um with the panthers it's gonna be like can they do anything on offense whatsoever um and, like, they certainly did against the Bucks, who just repeatedly, like, crushed themselves over and over again. Um, but otherwise, like, the Panthers have gotten over 300 yards one other game. And it was actually against the 49ers in garbage time. So, you know, it, their defense is good. Um, it's really more about their offense, though. Like, I, I don't think the Falcons are going to be putting up, like, 30 points on Carolina. Um, that's just not really what happens with them. It's more like, can the Falcons do anything to, like, stop their offense? Which... Has been awful, uh, and is now, by the way, two of their top three receiving threats are no longer with the team. So uh, Christian McCaffrey and Robbie Anderson were their top two res- were two of their top three receivers. The only one that's still there is DJ Moore. Also, so. in fairness, like they only gave up three points to the Bucks, um, but I feel like that game would have been completely different if Mike Evans didn't drop what was maybe the easiest catch of his career, easiest long catch of his career, that 75-yard touchdown, yeah. where he was just 
all alone. And I have no idea how he didn't bring that in, but took his eye off the ball. That's an immediate 75 yard touchdown on the first play. Um, I know it's not, this isn't how it works, but if you add that to Brady's stat line, he has over 360 passing yards. The Panthers give up almost 400 yards. And I don't know. I feel like the the tone, the way that that game would have gone, would have completely shifted if he made that play. Um, but yeah, their defense is good. I don't think it's as good overall as what we saw yesterday. Like I don't think that uh, it's good enough to pitch like three point near shutouts against you know against most teams. Um, yeah. That was just Tampa shooting themselves in the foot yesterday. Yeah. So. Um, I think it's good. I don't think it's like great or a defense you really fear, but I, I do think it's good enough. Um, to like Brian Burns is a beast. Like yeah. Brian Burns is really good. Yeah, they they have a lot of good pieces there, so it, it is a good defense. I just don't think it's terribly. Uh, I don't think it's terribly like scary, but it is certainly good and it is capable of limiting scoring. So, yeah. but also, again, those yeah yeah. Also, they'll never do it, but J.C. Horn is a guy I would trade picks for right now. Mm-hmm. J.C. Horn is really good, and yeah. I would love for him and A.J. Terrell to be patrolling Atlanta secondary. That would be very fun. Yeah. All right. Let's keep it moving here. Uh, we got a question from Nico, uh, also about the cornerbacks. Uh, what happens if Darren Hall gets injured? <laughs> right now we have the depth of a paddling pool. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think it's... Like, based on what's currently on the roster, I was, I don't know about you guys, I was surprised that it wasn't Mike Ford that played first. Like, they put Cornell Armstrong right in there. Mike Ford, like, didn't even get an opportunity. Um, I was pretty surprised that Armstrong went in ahead of Ford, personally. Um, But, so it seems like right now, like, if they were to lose an outside corner... It's corner like like uh, I mean I don't know I guess corner Armstrong's like low key the starter right now, um, but it really depends like is D Alford back I think D Alford might play outside like start outside if if he's back like that is what he played in the CFL um, and he was very good there for the NFL he's like a tad undersized I mean he's five eleven it's not like he's tiny or anything so he played the preseason as well yeah so I mean he's capable of doing it I think that's probably who they would go to. If he's healthy, if he's not, it seems like it'll be Cornell Armstrong again. Mike Ford is there. Uh, and then, I mean, they're going to elevate these other practice squad guys. So unless they sign someone else, that's basically what we're looking at. Some combination of, like, Armstrong, Dylan Mabin, Matt Hankins getting elevated and, and being the depth guys. But um, What's uh, what's Lady Ray Wilson up to these days? Right. Yeah. For, hashtag free bleeding, Nico. That's what he said. Hashtag free bleeding. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, I think he's a free uh, agent right now. He is? Yeah, yeah we should bring him back. Denard, uh, Denard, uh, or Darkies Denard, right? We should go get him. Um, <laughs> and, uh, what's uh, Dante Robinson up to? Yeah, let's right. get him. Let's, let's make some calls. Richard Sherman, right? Yeah, how much is Amazon paying Richard Sherman? Yeah, right? yeah. I'm, sure, <laughs> exactly. I'm sure we can match that. Get him, in, get him up off the mat here. So, um, yeah, it's it's a it's dark place. We'll see if they bring in anyone else. Um, but... Yeah, at this point, it's it's not looking great. It's not looking great. Um, next up, we got um, <clears throat> we got uh, Moonstar asking us, 
Uh, would be good to hear a quick synopsis on how some of our young players are doing so far this year. Also, no need to waste time on Jalen Mayfield. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yes, Jalen Mayfield's on IR, so that one's easy. Uh, yeah, uh, I'll open the floor first if anybody wants to talk about any specific players that they've they've liked watching this year of the young guys. But yeah, Dave, yeah. you want to take it take it I, from here? I, I definitely want to be uh, pro Ebiketti because I think that he's been great for the most part this year I think he's one of those guys that like he's so close to putting it all together he's come really really close to getting a few sacks um and then people would really be buzzing about him but unfortunately when you get close so you impact plays but you don't get the sack uh, maybe you don't stand out quite the same way but I think him and, and D'Angelo Malone who has played really well in limited opportunities um have me feeling really good about the future of this pass rushing group um, off the edge. So uh, I, I think it's been a good rookie class overall, but to me, you know, notwithstanding London and Anderson who are also playing well, those, those are the impressive guys. Yeah, I agree. Um, I definitely echo those sentiments on, on any, any young guys that you've uh, got takes on. Oh yeah. No, Dave kind of took all the rookies. So thanks Dave. <laughs> um, You're welcome. I, I'm, so honestly, I, I shouldn't be mad, but I, I normally do that too whenever I go first. But um, yeah, D'Angelo Malone had a, had a sack yesterday. Abby Katie looks good. I, I feel like these, I, I think Abby Katie obviously has, has the star potential on this team. Malone was great at Western Kentucky and I feel like he'll be a very competent and very useful rotational pass rusher. Um, Troy Anderson has really stuck out to me. Um, especially, especially, uh, in, uh, in pun coverage, yeah. I remember, uh, against the, um, against the Niners, he had one, I think Ray Ray McLeod. Yeah. Had he had that saving touchdown. tackle. Yeah. yeah it and, was Ray Ray. Yeah. And he pretty much matched Ray Ray McLeod. Who's one of the faster guys in the NFL step for step, took him down and he legitimately, I think, saved a touchdown. I think that's one yeah. of those plays that you will not see in the box score. But it just shows you just what they see in Troy Anderson and what they saw in him to make him a second-round pick. He has all of the tools you could hope for. And I think with this coaching staff, Anderson can become – I think he his ceiling is just limitless uh, given what he can become, given how fast he is. Um, given just how instinctive he seems to be around the ball. And obviously all of these guys are rookies. All of these guys are taking their lumps. So, you know, we shouldn't be overly critical on any of them. But, yeah, the draft class, it, 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 has, a, it, it, it has good early returns so far. You know, Drake London when, is showing out whenever the team does pass enough to, to showcase him. Um, and I know Drake London fantasy owners are also losing their minds right now, but you know what can you do? It's not his fault. That's yeah. uh, just the way. It's just the way Atlanta's offense is right now. Um, yeah, Rich Richie Grant. This is pretty much his de facto rookie year because he didn't really play much last year, but he's looked great. Other than slipping uh, on that Tyler Boyd touchdown yesterday to start the game off, which yeah wasn't great, but you know. Yeah, I mean, I wonder, like, I mean, I feel like he was probably getting cooked no matter what. <laughs> like, I think the fall, like, sort of made it a little bit uh, more like, oh, he fell. But I feel like based on what I saw, 
uh, it looked like he was about to get cooked either way. Well, between uh, you and me, if I'm getting cooked, I'm tripping on my own. I'm falling, yep. It's like, oops. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I can't believe yeah. how slippery that dry turf was. Crazy. Yeah, I shouldn't have had that popcorn on my feet. You know. Yeah. <laughs> Very greasy out there. But, yeah, I mean, it's – I think almost all of the young guys. I think the one that I will say something negative about – is probably Ade Ogundiji. I think he's had a very disappointing season. Um, considering I think he finished quite strong last year, it looked like he was becoming that like run-stuffing specialist that you wanted. As a pass rusher, he was never a guy that I think w- had a high ceiling as a pass rusher, but but you need those like base package guys to fill out your rotation to be a, like a real thumper against the run, especially if we start to see more teams you know, start to lean on the run. And he's basically been a liability every time he's been out there. Um, so uh, that's disappointing. Um, he's still a young player. I don't think people should give up on him or anything. But um, I think it's it's clearly time. And I think that's part of the reason we're seeing Malone more, um, that sort of thing. So I, I think we need to get Malone out there more. I think Abikati, obviously, is the starter now. Um, and, you know, Taquan Graham, I think, has been a, a real nice surprise. I, I feel like if they... If they had Eddie Goldman and Vincent Taylor in this group, like this would actually be, we'd be like, wow, this is like not a bad like defensive line. Like this is actually okay. But no, Eddie Goldman retires, Vincent Taylor goes on IR, and now it's like, well, they've got Grady Jarrett and they've got Taquan Graham. And at least they have Taquan Graham. Um Abdullah yeah. Anderson, I don't actually know how old he is. So I don't know if he's like a young player. I don't think he's that Almost old. Seven ish, yeah. I think. But like he's like something. Like I think he is like a solid, like rotational nose tackle that's giving them something so that i think that's valuable i think you you probably keep him around um but again not like a needle mover but like a necessary guy you have to have to help you each and every week like stay competitive like if they had jordan davis you would want you know abdullah anderson to be the guy that rotates in for jordan davis and the defense doesn't fall off a cliff you know like a sort of that sort of situation um but yeah, I think that's one of the biggest bright spots about this team. And they've, they've managed to find contributors just sort of from from very, very limited resources outside of the draft. You know, D. Alford is one I think that we're going to look back on over the course of this year and going forward as like, wow, they found a starter like as an undrafted guy. Um, I think D. Alford needs to keep getting more snaps. I think like he's had his struggles, but I mean, this is like a CFL corner coming to the NFL and basically had to start in the slot and, and play against a lot of really talented players to start the season. And I think he's held his own. Um, so I think, I think you got something there and I think you like how these young guys are playing um, a lot at this point. So um, I think, uh, yeah, I, I love that, um, you know, Terry Fontenot was really willing to go right back to the well after going for uh, Delvin bro in new orleans and having that not work out he was like let's go get another cfl corner it's going to be better this time you know like i feel like some guys would get burned by that and not try it again but i think alford is is proving that it's it's the right course of action mm-hmm. let's go get more canadians always could use more canadians eh um, <laughs> it's uh and even like even if d alford's just like your number four corner for his career like you you didn't spend anything on him you went out and got him as basically the equivalent of an undrafted free agent. Um, so, I mean, that's nice. I, I do I do like that. Um, all right. Moving on to the next topic of discussion here. We've got, uh, let's see, we got Nico asking, 
based on what you've seen so far, would you pay Caleb McGarry this offseason? Uh, Adnan, uh, we let we let Dave go first and take all the great rookies. So you can you can give the first take on on Caleb McGarry. God, I don't know. Honestly, like this is one of those where had you asked me before the season, I'm like, all right, this is his last year. Like, absolutely not. But he has looked good this year. I'm just really, I'm just really worried because, you know, we were burned by Sam Baker having an incredible contract year and then, you know, not having an incredible anything else after that. But I feel like I would lean toward yes, uh, just given the fact that there will be a lot of cap space next offseason. You're not really hurting for cash. And also, if you can keep McGarry and if he can continue playing well, he's looked good this year. Like, he's legitimately taken that step forward. And, you know, as someone who's criticized him a lot coming into the season and before, I think deservedly so. I, I'm giving him his props for sure. I'm giving him his flowers for the way he's looked thus far. Um, it's huge if this regime doesn't have to worry about finding a tackle uh, because we were listing it out before the season. Like uh, you want you want to have as few needs as few needs as possible because coming into the season we were like, all right, what what are they going to need next off season? What are they going to need moving forward? And we were like, maybe three offensive linemen, you know, a center, a guard, and a tackle. In addition to the needs, you know, on defense, uh, that's that's a lot. You know that that's a lot for for one off season, for even two off seasons. Um, but so far, the team looks like it may have its right tackle, you know, of the future, even the way that McGarry's looked. And I think that they, I think that they want that to be true because it, it's huge. It's expensive uh, getting a tackle, getting a competent good tackle. You're not going to find a really good right tackle in the late rounds of the draft. You're going to have to spend a premium draft pick on one. Um, center may also possibly be solved, given how you know how how good the offensive line has looked as a unit. I, I would still be more comfortable if they if they went out and got at least one offensive lineman, you know, as an upgrade uh, moving forward, but. I think right now I would lean toward yes, I, I would pay Caleb McGarry. Okay, yeah, that's that's an inter- that's a, a very valid take, uh, Dave. I'm interested in your thoughts on that as well because I think you you could make an argument both ways, honestly. Yeah, I'd probably give him the money. Uh, I think it's going to depend on you know what he wants for a contract and what he does the rest of the year. But I don't feel like this team is necessarily settled at left guard um you know elijah wilkinson's played pretty well they have schaefer they have mayfield so you know they do have some options to work with um same thing with center dolman and hennessy but like i i don't feel like those are set positions and i if i am the falcons and i want to ensure that i have a good year next year which i think they're going to be pretty hell-bent on i probably don't want to have to blow up three positions on my offensive line and introduce a ton of risk there and right tackle is the position where they don't have a ready-made starter, where they'd have to go, you know, either spend a lot of money to get somebody who's an upgrade on McGarry or, you know, roll the dice on an early round pick and hope that guy is ready to produce right away and doesn't, you know, single-handedly ruin the offense, um, which we've seen 
happen with other teams. So to me, I would give him his money, um, assuming that, you know, nothing goes horribly wrong between now and the end of the year. Like, let, let's bring back a guy that seems to be improving, um, has a baseline level of play that is is fairly solid and, you know, worry about maybe getting a big upgrade on the interior where you need it. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think uh, I'll take the other side just for for some variety here. I I think that giving him it depends on what he wants. I think that's obviously a big thing. Like I think if he's asking for like 15 million or more a year, like what? you can't pay him that. But that's what tackles are getting. Like I mean, what? I mean that's what tackles are getting. I wouldn't do it, but like that's what tackles are getting right now. Um I, I, I mean, I, we've talked about tagging him. The issue with that is that the franchise tag for offensive line next year is projected to be like 17.6 million. So that's a lot, obviously. Um, but maybe for the Falcons, it doesn't matter because they have plenty of money. So it's like they tag him and, you know, they, they just see if they can, if something else materializes, they can always rescind the tag or whatever. Um, but, you know, it, that seems difficult. I mean, to me, it's like I would be, I, I would be wanting more from right tackle. I, I don't think McGarry is good enough um, to be like, we have it settled. I think he's really become a, a much more reliable and quality run blocker, but the pass protection is still not good. Um, it, it's just not good enough. Um, now maybe he will continue to improve. It hasn't been nearly as like dire as it has been. Like, I think he's like, re- like a relatively average pass blocker this year in years past. It's been a lot worse than that. Um, and he's been just a much better run blocker. So like maybe he continues to improve. It depends on what he's asking for certainly, but, um, it's, it's a tough call. I I liked, I guess I like some of the other options in free agency better. Like you look at Jack Conklin from the Browns and these are all high priced options, but like Jack Conklin from the Browns, uh, was formerly with Tennessee, right? So you could see that being a potential reunion. Um, there's some other guys out there uh, that you like. Uh, I, I've always been a big fan of Jawan Taylor, who seems to finally be having a good season for the Jaguars. He's just 26. Um, you know, there, there's there's names that Mike McGlinchey will be a free agent. He's had to deal with injuries. You know, Elkton Jenkins is like sort of the big name, but, um, you know. I also wouldn't be opposed to using the tag. Uh, not no. that, yeah. that McGarry's worth $17 million next year, but... I think it's unless if you're not planning on signing another high price right tackle and if budget is an issue for right tackle given and it very well might be given the fact that even though this team has a lot of money to work with next offseason there's there's plenty of stuff that they'll want to do in free agency like you know that they may want to get a, a big name pass rusher for example um you know that they, they may want you know, we we talked about possibly spending money on on a big name guard like McGlinchey. I I wouldn't mind rolling the dice, even with with the injury history. I wouldn't mind rolling the the dice just because of how talented he is. Um, and given the fact that if you are looking at budget like long term, you you'll probably have to spend a first or second rounder on a tackle. And if the team doesn't want to do that, if the team doesn't think that there's any tackles worth that kind of pick, or uh, if they're not uh, worth the opportunity cost of passing up on, on someone else, for example, then they may want to punt that position 
into next into the the following offseason in 2024 and then possibly use a first or second rounder in that draft now i don't know how strong uh the 2024 draft class will be when it comes to <laughs> offensive linemen yeah yeah um or, uh, or how strong it is versus the 2023 draft class but all options are on the table and i don't think that I would be against them punting it toward next year and trusting that McGarry will probably have an, another good year next year and what would be a de facto second contract season next off season. And, you know, possibly uh, you wait to see if, if he'll improve. But uh, I think if they do do that, I would be more against giving him a contract extension next off season versus this off season on the long term, just because of the age. It'll be, uh, next year will be his age 28 season. The year after that will be his age 29 season. I think that plays a part into it. But, you know, the players union all those decades ago foolishly agreed to a, a franchise tag that gives teams a lot of leverage. And I'm never opposed to the Falcons using that leverage if, if they think that that's the best long-term strategy. Yeah, I could see them doing something a little gamey that I'm sure McGarry will hate, which is they tag him to keep him through free agency. They see what they what shakes out in the draft. Or they see if they can get another free agent, and then they rescind it if they get something they like. And if they don't you know, get it, then they stick with it for the year. But um, it's tough to say. But I, I do like the – I think, honestly, like if you look at the free agent – offensive line group the tackles are by far the best um like the center group looks disastrously bad the guard group is like meh the tackles has a lot of guys and the more names the better because they're going to get snatched up very quickly a lot of them are going to get re-signed and I think you look at this list of guys with like you know we mentioned it like Joan Taylor is an option and you know Orlando Brown's technically a free agent you know Terrence Steele's going to be an RFA uh, Caleb McGarry is a name in this in this list. Um, you know, we mentioned McGlinchey, Elton Jenkins, Jack Conklin. Like, you know, right now, if I had to guess, like what they'll do is it would be like a, a two year deal for like Jack Conklin, who like sort of had his contract adjusted by the Browns this year, like adjusted down. Um, so I don't know that they're ready to commit to him long term. I think he'll be like 29 in, in 2023. But like you get Jack Conklin here for a couple years um at probably like 10 million per which isn't necessarily cheap but it's not backbreaking and then you go out and you draft a tackle because lo and behold this is a, a class with a lot of good tackles in it um like right now i think in the top like 20 picks we'll, we'll say the first round right now i think there's like five tackles right now on draft network that are listed as like first round talents we got uh, a Georgia a Georgia boy at the top, right? Uh, Broderick Jones, I'm sure you're familiar, Adnan. Um, uh, Jalen Duncan from Maryland. Uh, we got who's uh, Skaronsky, Peter Skaronsky, who I've been a big fan of for the Falcons. He can play all five spots also on the offensive line. Um, and then Paris Johnson Jr. from Ohio State are all listed in the top 32. Um, and if the Falcons are picking in like that 10 to 20 range, I think they will have at least one of these guys like available to them. So I do and feel it, like that could be a potential pick. Yeah. And I think the point of keeping McGarry or tagging him would be to free up, free themselves up in that first round to go with another position. I think obviously if you decide against spend, because 
we always expect free agents to make a certain amount. And I feel like they always make a lot more just because, you know, when it comes to that bidding process and when it comes to, uh, you know, so many teams wanting them, it's supply and demand, obviously, basic economics. Um, if they can't come to terms with a free agent tackle, then I, I think you kind of tie yourself to having to take a tackle in the first round, which I wouldn't be against. Uh, you know, certainly uh, I it, it wouldn't be the sexiest pick. I'm sure fans would not really like it. I, I don't think many fans ever really like it when a team takes uh, an offensive lineman in the first round just because it's like, you know, they're not the stars. They're they're not like you know the guys. They're scoring. not sexy, you know. Yeah, like I, I remember the fan base was just. The, there was that famous video of uh, the Falcons draft party at the Mercedes Benz Stadium, just like in disarray. The fans <laughs> in disarray after the Falcons took Chris Lindstrom in the first round, and I mean, yeah. you know, so far that's worked out pretty well. Yeah. Um, but. Yeah, if the Falcons decide that they want to go with uh, a free agent tackle, I I wouldn't be against that at all. Um, maybe someone that you can even play at right tackle for a few years and then maybe even transition over to left tackle or keep a right tackle long-term and take a left tackle in a few years when Jake Matthews starts slowing down. Um, but yeah, there's certainly a lot of options. And this isn't a question that, we or the team has to answer right now uh there's they have the luxury of having the entire you know rest of the season to evaluate Caleb McGarry's performance and I think that they'll take it to the last game yeah I agree I I think that they don't have to rush to a decision or anything like that um I think right I mean things can change a lot between now and the draft too like right now the tackle class looks really strong um, in the draft and in free agency, but everything could change, right? Cause guys could get released. Guys could get tagged and signed. Like other players could declare or not declare for the NFL. Like a lot of stuff can happen. Um, I will say there, there are some interesting centers in this draft class as well. Um, another, another Bull, Georgia bulldog. So, you know, that, uh, who is it? Uh, Cedric, I think Van Pran or whatever is the center for Georgia. Um, I think he's someone that's, that's starting to generate some buzz, uh, and then here's another guy from Minnesota who has maybe the most offensive line name that I've ever seen. John Michael Schmitz. I feel like that is just, that screams offensive line to me. I don't know about you guys, but that that's a man that I would put on the offensive line without hesitation. So John Michael Smitch, Smith, Schmitz, Schmitz. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, we, we got a lot of time to get through the draft takes, but, um, that is one of the more interesting, I think, decisions, which is they're going to invest a lot in the trenches. I think this is going to be like the trench year um, coming up. And it just like, like right now, I think it's sort of like on defense right now, the interior defensive line class looks better in free agency. And, and like right now, the offensive tackle class looks better in free agency. So it's like, you wonder if like they go for like an edge rusher in the draft and like a you know, interior offensive lineman in the draft and they like sign a tackle and sign a defensive tackle. So they sign the tackles and they draft the other guys. So we're getting B. John Robinson. Yeah. Well, all they got to do is put, like I said, they just got to put wide receiver in front of his name and then we're, we're cooking, you know, Arthur Smith can't resist. So (laughs) we'll deploy him as a blocker. 
Well, I'm sure he'd be very talented at that as well, Adnan said. <laughs> but yeah, this is they have to start investing a lot in the trenches. I mean, oh, it's I not like they that. haven't. It's just like the first round picks haven't come yet. Yeah, no, I would love that. And I think Arthur Smith is the type who would completely endorse that. Um, and also, Terry Fontenot, like the Saint, the reason for the Saints having as much success as they did uh, toward the end of the Drew Brees era, and Fontenot is there, obviously, this is why I'm mentioning them, is because they were so good in the trenches. Like they had a top, maybe a top three offensive line toward Breeze's, uh, toward the twilight of Breeze's career uh, after that Ramchick draft. It was, it looked, their O line was really stout. Then their defensive line, their front seven was, you know, they shut down the run, they got after the quarterback. And I mean, no matter what, I, I'm all, I've always said it, I'm always going to say it, no matter how much the game moves toward being a passing league, uh, aerial attacks, the analytics movement. I think football will always be one in the trenches. I think that's just the nature of how the sport is played. If you aren't, if you can't protect the quarterback, if you can't get after the quarterback, then uh, I think that it's, it's a fool's errand, you know, at that point, you can have all the skill position guys you want. You can have all the great corners you want, but at the end of the day, it, it it has always been and it, it will always be, you know, sort of a big man's league. And those guys are the unsung heroes, but they will always, I think, other than the quarterback, they'll always be the most important players on the field. Yeah. On both sides. I think so. All right. Let's get to let's get to one more here before we sign off. Thanks everyone for the questions. I think we sort of answered your question, Dustin Black, about the biggest needs on this on this, both sides of the football, sort of talking about the offensive and defensive lines. I think that's sort of the most. And I think you could argue also that maybe quarterback is also there if, if Ritter isn't If, if Dave will just let them start. Yeah, Ritter, Jesus, Dave. Will... Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, uh, but it's for your own good. Okay? It is. It is. Yeah. You know, we have to suffer uh, before we can succeed. Um, yeah. But uh, let's get to one more here. Um, we got another Dustin question. Uh, what percentage chance would you guys give the Falcons to make it to the postseason as it stands right now? So, team is at three and four going into the you know quote unquote easy stretch. Dave, what what's your percentage chance? Do you think they actually end up in the postseason when the dust clears? I'll say forty percent. That's and that's, yeah, that's, pretty good. that's because I am too scared to say higher than that because I feel like I'll ruin them and people will come back to the show and be like. Of course, Dave said they were going to the playoffs, so they didn't. <laughs> Dave sucks yeah. um, because this is pretty typical. But I, I think they've got a, a respectable chance. I am a little bit concerned that the Bengals, you know, well being a uniquely bad matchup for them, have given teams sort of a blueprint to beating this current version of the team with their injuries at cornerback, with their unwillingness or inability to pass their way out of situations. So we'll have to see how that plays out, but fairly easy schedule, good ground game, um, defense that's opportunistic enough on its best day to punish teams, win close games, and the division is a mess. Um, yeah. Yeah. Tom Brady should have actually retired. We should have the Trask master in Tampa Bay stinking it up, but since we don't, um, this is more fun. So I, I really think, you know, I'm not, gonna say that they're good enough to to make it outright but given the situation they're in given how far along they are in their rebuild versus where we thought they'd be they do have a chance of making it so i, I will put it at 40 percent. that's fair 
yeah, Adnan, where where are you at? You you think about that is right? What what are you feeling? I think it's fifty fifty. Okay. I and honestly, uh, I have had you told me that I would be saying seven weeks in that this team would have a fifty percent chance of making the playoffs, I'd be like, what the fuck happened? You know, in those first seven weeks. Um, but just given the schedule, the schedule looks far easier right now than it did at the beginning of the season you know, on paper when it first came out. And I, I think that that's just the nature of the NFL. Um, you know, some teams are a lot better than you expect. Some teams are worse than you expect. I think on average, uh, six, there's always on average six out of 12 or back when there were 12 playoff teams it was always on average six out of 12 playoff teams were new, you know, who hadn't made it the year before. And, you know, so much changes in this league. So, you know, that's very uh, understandable that the schedule is different, but the schedule looks very undaunting overall. Like this team just had their hardest three game stretch, in my opinion, uh, of the season. And they, they did what they needed to do. They won one of those games. And I think they won one of, I think you would have rather they beaten the 49ers or the Bucks as opposed to beating the Bengals and losing the other two games because the other two games are in interconference. But I'm looking at the schedule and I see only two games on it where I would say that, yeah, that that's, that's most likely a loss. I wouldn't even consider picking the Falcons in those games. And that's the games against the Chargers and the, uh, the Ravens. And, you know, even the Chargers, like, their run defenses looked pretty suspect overall. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I'm not going to pick – I'm not going to pick against Justin Herbert in that game. especially. They did. It. They probably will be down Mike Williams for that game, according to reports today. Yeah, high ankle sprain. So, yeah. also, the Chargers are coming off their bye week, which well, – The which Falcons are getting, what, like, three or four teams coming off their bye week this year or something? I think that the Chargers and the Saints, I think, are the only ones. Okay, that's not bad. That's not as bad as I thought. Yeah, yeah, I remember doing that uh, rest advantage schedule. And even the Saints one kind of gets counteracted because the Falcons will also be coming off their bye week. Yeah. Um, But, yeah, looking at the schedule, like, you have the Panthers twice coming up. And I know those division games are always tricky. They're never straightforward. But, you know, the Panthers just look so... I know they just beat the Bucks, but they just look so untalented on offense overall. Uh, and it, it's a huge break that Christian McCaffrey's off their team before, you know, before we even played them. You know, the Bears look terrible overall. Um, yeah. The Commanders look terrible overall. I, I know they just beat the Packers, but overall they haven't looked very good. The Steelers look like they can be had. Um you know the Saints. We know that we know their struggles. Even the Cardinals later on in the season haven't looked. The Cardinals aren't. The Call of Duty uh, just came out, so yeah, <laughs> Call of Duty just came out. So Kyler Murray screwed. Yeah, um, yeah. Like even that Cardinals game and the the last Bucks game of the season, both home games. I would I would have put those down as auto losses before the season started, but now given what we've seen from those teams, I wouldn't say so. And just the division has looked so bad. Like the Buccaneers look absolutely exposed right now. They don't yeah. look as good as they have been. The Saints look terrible. You know, the Panthers look terrible. Like the Falcons could legitimately host a playoff game this season, which would be an insane proposition, you know, had you told me that 
after Brady announced that he wouldn't retire. And, you know, the team just plays so hard and, you know, they have a legitimate identity, which they haven't had the past few years. And I, I think at the very least, that's something. I don't know if Mariota is going to make it all the way as a starting quarterback. I'm still sticking to my prediction that, you know, Ritter will take over at some point. You know, I think after, after that second Panthers game still, I've been saying it all year, but I would, I would give, I would give this team a puncher's chance. And even more so than that, I would give this team the chance of a coin flip. Yeah, no, I think that's fair. I do think that's fair. Um, for the record, 538's proje- projections say the Falcons have a 33% chance based on the mathematics right now oh. with a 25% chance of winning the division. Uh, so most of by that logic, most of their chances of making the playoffs rest on their ability to win the division according to these projections. But, you know, they're 18th, I think, in playoff chances right now, um, and 14 teams make the playoffs. So... They're not very far out of that, you know, they're expected to make it tier. Um, so it's, they are notably far ahead of the Saints and Panthers who both have numbers in the low teens in terms of making the playoffs. So um, very interesting numbers, but uh, yeah, we, we got a long way to go. This is, this was a tough game. I really don't think it should alter your opinion on the team very much. I think we need to, like, if they lose to the Panthers, then I think we can all say, okay, this team's a fraud and all that. Like, you know, then we can start the the, the pitchforks again. But give them a chance to rebound against Carolina to get a dub, get back to 500, and uh, then we'll, we'll take it from there. Um, I yeah. just saying, yeah. and I said I told myself I wouldn't do this before the season started. Um <laughs> Can you so the, both those games? The Panthers are bad. The Panthers are a bad football team, objectively. Yeah. Um, I would say that at this point, given what we've seen, I know it's it's a division game, so stuff can be thrown out. But I would say objectively, the Falcons should be favorites in both of those games against yes, the Panthers. They're six point favorites right now against Carolina. Yeah. How different is this conversation? How different will this conversation possibly be? Uh, even even with the loss to the Chargers, how different will the numbers be and how different will people's perception be if this team beats the Panthers both times and if they're sitting here at 5-5 five and five with, you know, games against the Bears, Commanders, and Steelers coming up, uh, you know, still having to have their bye week and suddenly at 2-2 two and two in the division and probably in – at the very least, having a share for the division lead because I don't think the Bucks are beating the Ravens. How different is our perception at that point? Maybe we'll maybe we'll see. Maybe we'll come back to this conversation. But you know, I, I just think that that's the the prediction can be so fickle based on a week to week. And I, I think if you had asked people after the 49ers game they would have told you, oh, yeah, like this team's making the playoffs. They just beat the 49ers. Whereas now after that Bengals game, I think it's, it's you know, they looked pretty bad against a, a superior team that I, I think that they were always going to lose against. But what was our, our fan snapshot, Dave? I think there was like over a 90% like confidence in the team after the win. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, it's crazy. 
I should have known seeing fans that confident meant a giant L was coming because that's not allowed. Like, we cannot have that we, level we of confidence. We cannot be happy like that. Yeah, so. no, that's not okay. Was it like 97, 98%? Yeah. Like, it was crazy. Something like that. <laughs> yes, as someone who has handled those surveys in the past, sometimes they have like 100 people respond and sometimes they have like 20. So it may just be 20 very, very excited Falcons fans. Uh, or it could have been like hundreds of very excited Falcons fans. It does vary from week to week. You know, if you guys signed up, make sure you respond to make sure we get those no, you're big not numbers. That. No, no, that that's very like <laughs> there's a very scientific method to it, and uh, yes, well, we survey hundreds of thousands of people. Yes, it's it's all Falcons fans do respond to this poll. So <laughs> no, but it's. I, I'm just saying people's perceptions uh, on a week to week basis change. You know, very quickly and very drastically. And if this team wins two straight division games in the next three weeks, then I, I think the national perception will be, yeah, this team has a very, very good chance of making the playoffs. Whereas if that might not be the case right now. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's fair. That's very fair. Well, guys, excellent work answering some great questions. Thank you to Dustin, Nico, everyone else for your questions tonight. Really appreciate it. I promise we'll give you more heads up for the next one. Uh, I just really wanted to make sure we got this done in October. Uh, so you guys didn't go too long without getting a Q and a, uh, because we really enjoy them and I know you guys enjoy them too. So I wanted to make sure we got this out for you guys, uh, before we sign off, uh, if you're not a patron and you missed this show live and you wanted to see it live, very easy to fix that. Just go to patreoncom slash live, sign up all tiers, get access to the Q and a, uh, so we appreciate all your support there. Thank you so much, guys. Do like and subscribe if you're watching the recording. If you're listening to the audio, leave a five-star review. Shout out to like the 70 people who've reviewed us on Spotify now. I think we're at 4.9. So crushing it. Thanks, guys. Um, we were at 5.0 not- noticeably until last week. So whoever whoever ruined our five-star rating, you know, I'm going to pull like a Liam Neeson. You know, I will find you. In- <laughs> no, it's okay. I think 4.9 makes it more believable because like, not everyone can possibly love this show. Like, I get that. So, you see, guys, if it was a five Dave would have let them start Desmond Ritter this week. But you know, that's it. That's, see, because our our rating fell below, you know, that no longer we can we cannot have the nice things anymore. Dave takes away Desmond Ritter. So, uh, I don't like speaking- the thought that this is going to have legs because it probably <laughs> is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, speaking of Dave, guys, he is Dave Choate at the Falcoholic himself, Dave. Uh, thank you so much for coming on. Anything you'd like to plug before we sign off? No, just, um, you know, we're in our season groove. I think we have a ton of great stuff every week, um, previewing the matchups, trying to figure out where this team is headed. So just look for, uh, you know, the great content and the sats from all of our talented writers, especially young Adnan over here. Yeah. Yeah, terrific stuff from Adnan as well. No, noticeably, I have taken on more of the uh, the low-hanging fruit written content this year. Uh, you know, I justify it by doing all of the, the recordings. But, you know, definitely check out, you know, my picks pieces. Uh, I believe one just came out. Uh, and, you know, all of my corporate shill articles, um, which, you know, love the corporations. Love those guys big time. It's definitely. So yeah. Definitely click those links, folks. Um, big time. I uh, really appreciate that, Corpos. Uh, but yeah, guys also check out Adnan stuff. He is at say, which way, uh, not anything in particular you'd like to let the people know about. Um, yeah, no, just, uh, stick with the alcoholic. I, have we'll have fantasy stud and dud coming your way today or, or tomorrow. Dave, by the way, I submitted that. Um, Oh, sweet. Okay. Uh, Thank you. 
breaking cool. news. Yeah, breaking yeah. news. We got article submissions. All right, let's do it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah guys. Uh, again, thank you all so much for listening. Uh, we will talk to you guys next time. And um, also, we went the whole show without talking about Matt Ryan today. I, you're right. No one asked about it. I think everyone's just depressed. But I think yeah. I think it's a good Wednesday show topic because I think we really needed to be live for you know that that discussion uh, to give Matt Ryan his due. Uh, very sad day for the Matt. Well, we got the Mariota Mommies. I don't know what the Matt Ryan stands should be called because there's not really a good, like, we need, like, a, a good nickname for, like, Ritter stands and, like, Matt Ryan stands. So I, I um, think I think Ritter Riders is where we're going to go with that I like one. that. Yeah. Ritter's yeah. Rough Riders. Yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll workshop that. We'll workshop that. Um, yeah, we definitely will because I'm, yeah. I'm sure there's a problem there. So Yeah, yeah. definitely. Yeah, no, we got to be careful with that. Uh, so, guys, uh, again, uh, thank you for tuning in. Uh, we will talk to you guys next time. Next live show will be Wednesday at 8 p.m. Eastern here on YouTube. Uh, thanks again so much for tuning in. We'll talk to you guys next time. Have a great night, folks.